When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. One o'clock, McMonagle here with you on the fan, 877-337-66-66. That's the phone number to call. I got you for the next four hours on our five-hour midnight ride on a Thursday morning. Windy out there. Very windy. Rain all day. Disgusting. I slept in late. That was nice for the first time in a while. Sometimes you got to just force it. I mean, I, I laid in bed and just forced it. I just, I don't know what it is. I pop up four hours into sleep. It's very rare. I sleep more than that in one stretch, and I just had to force it today. I needed it. I needed it, especially after yelling about Daniel Jones all day yesterday. And it's still, bar- I mean, because I get a lot of tweets that I have. Uh, I put out, you know, they put out the clip on social media about Daniel Jones, and I get bombarded with, Daniel Jones is so talented, you don't get it. You have Daniel Jones syndrome or whatever, they, you know. Yeah, I got Daniel Jones syndrome. I mean, what are you people, nuts? I mean, the guy doesn't play. I don't know what else to say. He's injured all the freaking time, and they lose. That contract was, is, is oh, it's gonna, what, what a bargain it's going to be. Yeah, what a bargain. What a bargain. I understand it's not hurting them as much because the, the cap money went up, and hopefully they're going to find their way out of it at the end of this year. But what a bargain that deal was. I don't believe the Giants for a second. I don't believe the Giants for a second. They are in the quarterback market. We got to figure out. They got to figure out how to get one. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's go to Thomas in Washington D.C. on that subject. What's up, Tom? Tommy. No. Okay. I set you up. I bring up the Dan Jones thing just for you, Thomas. Not there. Okay. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand people who love Daniel Jones. You have to explain this to me. Like, really, you guys have to explain this to me, why we're so gung-ho and why we still defend this guy at every single stinking turn. I, I, I don't get it. I like him, too. He's a good guy. I mean, he's a good guy, but he's just uh, – how many seasons do you have to deal with those injuries? And look at this draft. I mean, there's there's quarterbacks in this draft. There's different guys. Like I heard uh, Giannotti talking this morning about Michael Penix, and you know I think this is going to be a big combine for him. They're going to have to check his health. I mean, if he if the doctors like what they see, I do think that this is someone who played very well, right? Had uh, a, a big year, second in the Heisman. Took Washington to uh, the 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 college football finals against uh, against uh, Michigan. And is a a winning player. And I could see if, or if, for better for the Giants probably, because I don't know if they would take him sixth overall, but if there are some concerns about his knee, which I th- it's scary to do that, but if you can get him in the second or third round and take a chance on him staying healthy and not feel like it's cost you a sixth pick or certainly not moving up to the t- you know from six, then maybe that's a decision you'd be willing to make. But I just I can no longer trust Daniel Jones. And there, you know, someone sent me the clip that I was talking about when the caller mentioned it uh, and called up that show with um, Giants Radio and John Schmelk. 
and pretty much said to Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Shane, you know, you continue to say you trust him. You continue to say you believe in him as a starter, which, again, he has no choice to because he's going to be the starter next year. But you continue to say this. How do you trust a guy who's lost as much as he has and who is constantly injured? And Joe Shane just repeats the, well, listen, there are things I could have done better, things the team could have done better, but I see the talent, I see this, I see that. Yeah, we don't see it enough, and you can't keep harping on that Minnesota game. I get it was a, I get it was the best win they've had in a decade, but and he was brilliant in it. Won't ever take it away from him. Won't ever take it away from him. That was one of the that was the as enjoyable a game to watch as we've had since the Super Bowl in twenty eleven. But I just I can't trust this guy anymore, and the Giants need to figure out their defense. I mean, excuse me, their quarterback situation. Uh, let's get back to the calls. Chris in Baltimore. What's up, Chris? Hey, T-Mac. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Doing well. Uh, big fan. Uh, you're my you. favorite host. I've been listening to you when you were doing the weekends, and now during the weekdays I tune in. Um, but well, my question you for much. you would Very be... You. Absolutely. My question to you, what do you think about the Mets signing Bauer? Or yeah. if you don't think that's a good idea... Where would you pivot to? Because obviously the rotation is not very good. Yeah, no. I mean, I would pivot to Montgomery. I've been saying that's the that was going to be my next baseball topic. I mean, I've done it a lot over the last two days, so I didn't want to just bring it up out of nowhere. But I'm glad you did because um, I love talking about it. Montgomery should be a Met. That's where they should pivot. I think he fits their plans of winning in the future, and he also helps this team. Now, Bauer, let's talk about specifically that I'll get – because my quick answer on the pivot is Montgomery. They should sign Montgomery. I have no qualms saying I, I, his market is in disarray. I, I think there's no reason not to sign Montgomery. He doesn't come with picks. He impacts your your winning uh, idea of the next couple of years as well as helps you this year. The Bauer thing is interesting. Now, here's what I'll say about Bauer and the Mets. I don't know if Bauer makes sense for the Mets. Because of their lack of interest in winning this season. Like, you need to impact more than just this year. That's why I want Montgomery. Because I do understand on some level that they are taking a slight step back this year. I mean, I still want to make this team as good as it can be on some level. But I don't want to go in all in. Is Even though it's cheap, I'm bringing a headache. I'm, I'm bringing headache. I've, I know a very New York headache. Uh, headache. I'm bringing in a, a situation where I could be upsetting a decent portion of my fan base. Um, I'm bringing in a guy that has had issues in clubhouses before. I'm bringing in a guy that comes with all that baggage for one year to impact this season, which I think there is value to, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't impact me further on. And if he has a great year and I want to resign him, then it's going to cost me a lot of money and let him have that year somewhere else and then let that other team suffer the the slings and arrows and let him get past that. And then I'll go pay him if I deem that worth it next year. Um, I just don't know if a one-year deal, as as much as you could argue it's going to be the league minimum, it would help them this year. I think I had a little fun, and so did everybody else with him getting Marty Mush, getting a couple hits off of him. It's, it's a little disturbing. I just saw that Weissert, uh, former reliever of the Yankees now with the Red Sox, he was in the Verdugo trade, gave up a base hit, a hard base hit up the middle to him too. So maybe Marty Mush is better than we think. But like a one-year deal to bring in that 
situation more than just the player for just this season without helping in any way the plan of winning in the future, I don't think it's worth it. He makes them better this year, and I do value that. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs to get Montgomery because he does help this year, and I want this year to matter more. Right? I've been joking around with this year matters, bro. Right? That's been my little um, refrain that I keep saying for the Met fan and for the Mets. But to bring in a guy that has the issues and the circumstance, he's much more of a fit for the New York Yankees for me than he is the Mets. And that's not a Yankee fan. That's just the situation the two teams are in. Yeah, the Yankees, absolutely. The Yankees, are, the Yankees are all about winning a championship this year. I, I don't necessarily expect the Mets to be all in to do whatever it takes to win a championship this year. I just want to put something towards this team. I want to make it feel like there's some excitement towards this season. I want to give them a chance to be that wild card team. Anything can happen once you do that. And while he does fit that on some level, he doesn't help you at all in the future when you're really trying to win. And he brings he brings a lot of different baggage and elements that I don't know if they're worth it for what he can help me this season. The Yankees, on the other hand, you're looking to win a World Series and you'll the, the baggage be damned on some level. Clearly, they don't agree with that statement because they haven't signed him. But they're looking to upgrade the starting pitching. They don't have a lot of money to do it. He's a perfect fit for what they're trying to do. Win now. Who cares about next year? We got a million guys coming off the books anyway. We'll deal with next year, next year. I can bring in a starting pitcher who's won a Cy Young, who's, who's probably the second or third best starter on this team without exception, and he can come in here and help me win this year. It's perfect. It's much. It's a much better fit for the Yankees than the Mets, but I don't think either team does it. I'd have to agree with you about the Yankees and Bauer over the Mets. Um, yeah, I'm going to hang up. Yeah, it's a much more urgent have, situation in the Bronx. For sure. I have one other question, then I'll hang up and listen to you. Um, yeah. With Montgomery and you wanting them to go to the, him to go to the Mets. Yes. What would you? What do you think is the holdback on the Mets side? Like, have they made an offer, or are we just kind of saying they should? And if they haven't, why do you think they haven't or they're putting it yeah. off? Um, I, I don't know for sure they haven't. They haven't been rumored to go towards him, to go near him at all. It sounds like I guess some people are saying Texas is still in it. I thought from what I heard from Texas, it sounds like they were out of it. But he's talking with the Red Sox. Some people still believe Texas could be involved if Montgomery is just, you know, insistent on going there and willing to take some sort of short-term low-value deal and hit the free agent market again next year maybe. Maybe Texas would be in on that kind of thing, but whether or not the Mets have made contact or not, I don't know. But So let me answer the question on why they should, uh, which I, I, I've said a lot. They should, uh, and uh, we'll see what the contract would be. I think right now there's a confluence of things that just play into the Mets' favor. One, you're building for, towards the future. So you don't want to give up assets, and he is a starting pitcher who does not have any picks attached to him. Blake Snell would cost you two picks. Montgomery costs you none. His market's collapsing. You might be able to get him on a better deal uh, we'll, you know, to come pitch for the Mets. And if your plan is to win in 25-26, you're getting a pitcher who just really found himself and has had the best year and a half of his career, proven himself in New York and on the postseason stage. Like, I don't understand why they wouldn't be for him. And I guess the only reason that they haven't offered a contract or they're not looking uh, into giving money to a starting pitcher is they feel like they're paying big-time money to have Verlander and Scherzer pitch for other teams. Now, they did it for prospect reasons, which I agree with, 
But I feel like they think, well, you know, listen, we got to get that money off the books. We're building towards next year. Uh, do we do have some pitching prospects we'd like to see pitch? We want. It's all about. It's building towards the future. It's answering questions. It's less about this upcoming season. And there's other pitchers on the free agent market coming next year, and they feel like if they want to impact the rotation via the free agent market, they can do it next year. Uh, I think it's short sighted. And I think it's I think when you have the richest owner in baseball, you can afford to go do this. They are over the luxury tax, so they pay double uh, whatever he gets signed for this year. I understand that. I, I I just did a whole thing on Snell and the Yankees. It's not it's not an easy pill to swallow for anyone. Whether you're worth thirteen billion dollars or thirteen dollars, I get charged double for something. I don't like it, but at the same time, they're trying to win, and you do want to have a season, and you also have a product to sell come next season when Soto and these other big-time free agents are available and you are looking to dabble in that world. Like, you can't sell them on, well, I don't know about Pete Alonso because he might not be back. Uh, the rotation's in shambles, and we've just had back-to-back miserable losing seasons. And thank you for the call, buddy, and thank you for the kind words. Like, I don't, I don't understand that thought process. I, I want to have a good year. I need another starting pitcher desperately if I'm the Mets. Desperately. Go get him. He's still he's he's going to be on your team next year when and it's it it eliminates the need to go out and fill the rotation completely. You have an extra guy in there. You have someone already stable in the rotation. I I have a hard time really seeing the argument. I just made it, I guess. But I have a hard time really seeing the Mets argument for not signing him other than just I don't want to spend any money, and I don't want to do anything. And it's all about the future, and we're going to let the young kids pitch. We're going to let the young kids hit, and hopefully we have a nice season, and we'll figure it out. But again, if they don't, and they lose, and their pitching's in shambles, and you're going to want to sign Juan Soto, and you're going to want to sign you know, Burns, or you're going to want to sign um, Bueller, or whoever else is going to hit the free agent market, what are you going to sell them on? Because you're probably not going to have Pete Alonso signed at that point. So you're going to be like, I, I don't know if Pete's coming back. And I'm hoping Pete has a monster season here. I don't know if Pete's coming back. I'm sure you know we'd like to have him back, but I don't know. We've won 75, 78 games in back-to-back seasons. Uh, our pitching rotation is a complete shambles. We need you to come in and just be just a former rotation. Forget be that extra piece that puts us over the top. We need you just to come in and, and so we can have a rotation. Like I And then... I, and then you're selling Soto on, yeah, we don't really have any pitching. I don't know if Pete's coming back, and we've been losing over the last few years. But, hey, you know, you're know you going to help us turn that all around. I know you were playing in the ALCS last year with the Yankees, but trust me, it's pretty cool here too, I guess. We're going to build some nice hotels. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. I hate it. I hate what the Mets are doing. Hate. I get the plan. I understand the plan. They need to be able to do both. You have to have a plan and a little bit of a divergence from the plan to help this year. And Montgomery's the perfect divergence. He doesn't affect the plan at all. Chris in Lodi. What's up, Chris? How you doing, Chris? Um, I agree with you on uh, the, the take for the match pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to find Montgomery. Uh, like you said, pitching the rotations and shambles. Um, as far as Trevor Bauer... I don't know if either the New York team should go after him. That's very risky, given his past. But, yeah. I mean, given the fact that all these other athletes get second chances, no I don't see why someone's not going to give this guy, you know, a contract, give him incentives, yeah. whatever. But yeah. he should no, be I mean, uh, pitching in listen, the major leagues. Listen, listen, 
what he was accused of was heinous. What the photos we first Absolutely. saw were heinous. But they did not find enough evidence to even charge him with a crime, let alone found not guilty of a crime. He was no. not charged. He was not charged with a crime. Then he was sued personally uh, and was found non-liable and did not have to pay yeah. a single dollar. So he was and then Michael Vick, who goes to jail, gets, gets a second another chance in the NFL as, as soon as he comes out. And... There's there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Other guys have gotten second chances. I'm not saying yep. that he doesn't deserve one. Uh, for the Mets, it doesn't make much sense for me. I don't see it for the Mets. The Mets aren't a, like I know. I made I I kind of got on a, a caller the other day uh, for saying there's no point in signing Montgomery. The Mets aren't a World Series team. He doesn't put them over the top. And while I agree with that, I still think adding him this year and the benefit it gives you helps. Plus, he's part of the future next year. A one-year right. deal for for Bauer, no matter the money, because the money will be minimal, no doubt. But a one-year deal for Bauer, no matter the money. It doesn't help them really win a championship this year. It makes them better, which, I again, I do put value on. I just don't know right. if it's enough to deal with the headache that he brings. I just, yeah, I don't think he I, would. I, I, just, the, I don't think he's just a fit. The Yankees not a are good trying to win a World Series. If, the Yankee, yeah. if he puts them over the top to win a championship, then it's worth the headache. To, that might be a risk. Know, yeah, it's it's. I don't know if the if I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze for the Mets. It makes more sense, and I'm not even saying the Yankees should do it. I'm just saying it makes more sense for the Yankees. If you told me, you know, one of these two New York teams should sign him, I would much more be in the camp the Yankees should sign him over the Mets. Right. The Mets it it's worth. Sense. It's more worth the risk for the Yankees to take. A hundred. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Then transferring, um, transitioning from one Bauer to the other. Yes. Jack Bauer on the twenty-four. <laughs> Season yes. five, best season ever. They won the Emmy that year. They won the they best did. actor, yep. best supporting actor. Chloe's awesome. Twenty four, yep. one of the best shows ever. Oh yeah, you you are <laughs> speaking to the choir, my friend. Uh, Twenty four yep. was great. Yeah, I loved it when you talked about it. It's it's just, it's awesome. Well, I'm glad there's yeah. other fans out there. <laughs> See, yeah, I know, I know. I believe me, I know. I know there are a lot of other Twenty four fans out there. Um, season five, it it definitely was the best. It's it's. It's funny, too, because it starts with uh, David Palmer uh, getting assassinated, and he's such a great character on the show that, that I, I love so much. But um, that, you know, pissed off Jack Bauer. President Logan hiding, being the, 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 And then uh, President Logan being the, the villain in the end, yeah. I mean, there was uh, some, like, there's always side stories that don't work as much. Like, I love season uh -huh. two, but Kim Bauer lost in the woods being, you know, attacked, being, no, hunted, yeah, down, no. Kim, being, being hunted down by a cougar. And then being, yeah, no. uh, then having to hang out in a log cabin with Johnny Drama was not the best. <laughs> that was not the best side yeah. angle, and I love yeah, I mean, and I love season two, but and that's, right. the, that's the season that really got me like hooked hooked into it. Um, right. And I I still think Logan's wife, her neurotic nature, although the character ends up being pretty good, there were moments you know early on where she's just like you know impossible to deal with, and she's messing up her makeup, and she's just annoying, <laughs> and I was like. As much as I, I, I like the actress, I forget her name off the tip of my tongue. Uh, Jean Smart, um, thank you. And she ends up playing a big role in that season. But early on, like, there's always things that aren't perfect about the season. But exactly. the, idea, the idea that they lost David Palmer in the, the, first, two ep the first episode, first you know, couple of minutes, uh, mm -hmm. and still had a, a tremendous great year and one of the best ever. And then, yeah, the political aspect of that season was great. 
Logan yeah. and 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 that's part of the reason why I love season two too because at the end when when the the cabinet invokes the twenty fifth amendment and David Palmer's fighting for his presidency like all that stuff at the end was awesome in season two season four same thing where Logan calls in David Palmer to help him and David Palmer's kind <laughs> of running things him. running things behind the scenes and and helping. Um, Logan get through the the rest of the day, and then to have Logan be the villain on the back end of season five was awesome. Yeah, don't. Yeah, I, I agree. I Excellent. Agree. Everybody wants to watch the show. Start from season one, and just no you'll doubt. enjoy yeah, the ride. I, I, I without question. <laughs> I, I talked about it, and thank you for the call, man. I talked about um rewatching Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's always great shows. Um, uh, you know, there's a you want to go back and rewatch a, a ton of shows. They're all very good. Um, the the classics, Mad Men, um. Breaking Bad, uh, all we talked to, you know, there's so many, I, I mentioned, um, Game of Thrones a lot. There's a lot of great shows to go back and rewatch, but if you really have a lot of time, if you have a lot of time and you want to watch a show that keeps you on the edge of your seat, that was innovative, that the clock aspect of it and 24 hours of one day nonstop, and if you can get your mind around the fact that there's never any traffic and, ne- and and Jack never has to go to the bathroom, which is like the stupid cliche question people are, I don't understand. How's he not used the bathroom? Like, oh, you're so clever. I always hated those people who and I would talk it up. I don't get it. How does he get across L.A.? Everything I hear is you can't get anywhere. He gets he gets across all of Los Angeles in 20 minutes. Like, okay, yeah, you have to, like, they're not going to have Jack Bauer for a full episode sitting in a traffic jam. Yeah, we get it. And no, it, I mean, listen, he goes to the bathroom during the commercial break. It's very convenient. But the actual clock element of the show was very innovative. It creates drama on its own. Uh, and then plus just one of the great characters in TV history, in my opinion, of Jack Bauer is just, it puts it over the top. It is bar none my favorite my favorite show. Is it the best acted show of all time? Like, this, is The Sopranos better acted and, and better written than 24? Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. But for me, it just hit the spot at the right time, and I never was as invested in week after week. And, and you know, I think Jack Bauer's right up there with Tony Soprano as one of the great TV characters of all time. Uh, so if you have, if you're interested, if you're interested, go check out 24. And I, you know, I'm doing the, I'm, I'm kind of doing this underlying thing of um, comedian actors. Chloe, who uh, became a staple of the show, uh, introduced in season three, uh, she's a comedian. Um, she started a career as a comedian. Still, I think she still does tours. Uh, Fliegelman's gonna have to help me with her name too. Uh, Mary uh, Marilyn Reischeld. Marilyn, uh, Mar- you could just say that on air because I can't remember her name. Okay, there you go. Sometimes I can't tell the difference. <laughs> Marilyn Reischeld, whatever her name is. I follow her on uh, social media a little bit. She still does shows and stuff. So she was tremendous. I mean, Jack and Chloe became a thing. Man, became a thing. Great show. Go back and watch 24. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Uh, Kevin and Baldwin. What's up, Kev? I'm on. Thank you. I'm honored to be on your show. First time As call. As you should from, be. From, from day one, I've been listening to you all 30-something oh, years. Hello? Well, not me all 30-some-odd years, but you've been listening to the station. We, we thank you very much. Okay, quick uh, statement. Uh, I've been statement. blessed. I'm 68, and I've watched every team win. Jets, Mets. Yankees, Giants, so Islanders, and uh, I went through 20, uh, 39 years 
going to Yankee games with my buddy through the years, 20 or 30 years, watching him lose for 18 years. I still went to the game, still a fan today. I got a quick question. I'll get off. Okay. What do you think about uh, maybe the Yankees bringing up a couple no-name kids from the Triple uh, A team like the Mets brought up good in years ago. Nobody knew he was. They might get a couple sneaky wins to get a start in the year, you know? Just, you know, for talk. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, Gooden was a hyped-up prospect at 19 years old. Came with a blazing fastball and a world-class curveball. It wasn't like he came out of he came out of nowhere. It might you know seem that way. He was a young kid who came and hit the scene at a, an incredible uh, clip. And thank you for the call. Um, the Yankees have a couple of prospects. They're going to need some depth. You know, you know that they need seven, eight, nine starters. You always do. So um, they have Luis Heel, who Yankee fans might remember from a few years ago, who came up and was. Very good to start his Yankee career. Won his first consecutive, like four or five starts or something. Was was solid and was you know good for them. And he's been dealing with injuries since. Um, they got Beater, who they got in the Gallo trade. Believe it or not, they were actually. I know everyone wanted to trade him away for a bag of balls. They actually got a pitcher who's moved up through the system pretty quickly. Uh, Chase Hampton is a, another guy that you could see impact the starting rotation. So there are some young kids. Uh, none of them are just absolute. Uh, just waiting for their chance to be at the top of the rotation type prospects necessarily, but they they like them and you are going to see them. I mean that's that's who they don't have anybody. I mean for the most part, if it happens and and the Yankees talked about this, they signed Luke Weaver who pitched for them down the stretch of the season last year, and if there's an injury in spring training or early on in the season, that's the guy you will see be the next man up in the starting rotation. It would be Luke Weaver, but. If the starting five stays healthy and they get into May and June before they need another pitcher, uh, it might not be him because they want to put him in the bullpen. And he might not be stretched out to come in, maybe a spot start or something where they would go with an opener or a short, you know, if he's the long man, he can give you two, three innings and then get into your bullpen for a bullpen day. But if they if someone goes down and they need to add a fifth man to the rotation who they plan to pitch for a month every fifth day, uh, early on would be Luke Weaver. Later on, it'd probably be one of the kids because they're going to keep Luke Weaver in the bullpen and not have him stretched out, and they'll probably go to one of the kids who've been starting every fifth day in AAA. So we'll see. But right now, that depth, the first guy would be Luke Weaver, who pitched well for them uh, down the stretch of last year and has some good stuff. Uh, there's been a couple of guys. That, listen, you're going to hear names. Birdie is a non-roster invite. Uh, that is wowing people early on in spring training, throwing, you know, has great stuff, could be in the bullpen. This is what the Yankees do. If you're looking, I, I don't know if it's going to be in the rotation. There'll be guys who come up and pitch and maybe pitch well. We'll see. But if you're looking for a guy from the farm system or a name you never heard of to come in and be a real impact on this team pitching-wise, it's going to be in the bullpen. That's where you're probably going to see it. That's what the Yankees do best, and that's what Brian Cashman's been incredible at from Chad Green on, really, since 2017. Uh, just a, a myriad. I mean, let's be totally honest. I do want to – let me just say this as I get deeper and deeper into my Cashman defending bag, which is always a fun bag to go to. It's like Mary Poppins' bag. I can just – I could pull out a, a – you know, I can pull out a, a six-foot lamp if I had to. What, a, anything fits in that Mary Poppins' Brian Cashman bag. Um, so let me just say this on the bullpen thing and on the another front, when they lost Mariano Rivera, like we all felt like, oh boy, I mean, there's no way to replace Mo. This bullpen's gonna take a major hit. It's gonna be impossible to replace him. Good luck finding another Mariano Rivera. And while of course they have not, 
Brian Cashman has done an incredible job keeping this bullpen. I mean, you look Dave, from from Robertson to uh, Andrew Miller to Batances to Chapman, um, you know, to now Clay Holmes. I you know, I guess who's been shaky, and I wouldn't put on the same caliber as those other guys just yet. Uh, although he was brilliant for half a year in 2022 and has been solid for them. Uh, I think he's done, you know, Brian Cashman has done a great job of keeping this bullpen different guys, um, young kids, names you never heard of who come in and pitch better trading, you know, Mike Talkman for Wandy Peralta and the impact he had over the last few years. Um, just, you know, the, the trade for Clay Holmes was an incredible trade. I mean, they've done a really nice job finding arms in the bullpen. And then the other thing is, and also, I mean, you know, we'll see what Volpe is, but they replaced Derek Jeter with Didi Gregorius. And so, I mean, those two players, the two great players from the dynasty, right? I mean, obviously we love Bernie. We love O'Neill, Posada, Tino, all the names, Pettit. Uh, from that dynasty, the real two great Hall of Fame players are Jeter and Mariano. And the Yankees have done, for the most part, I know shortstop went to IKF for a time, and, but they replaced them with, with Didi Gregorius and then a myriad of different relievers. And they've done a nice job replacing you know, the greats of the organization. But they haven't won championships, so boo that man, that bum Brian Cashman. Just a little quick dip dip into the defense of Brian Cashman bag. Every once in a while, I got to go in there, see what's in there. You never know what you pull out. Today was the the bullpen after Mariano Rivera and Didi Gregorius. That's what came out of the Brian Cashman Mary, Mary Poppins bag today. Who knows what I'll pull out tomorrow. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Play fake, Jones rolls left, throws left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. So with uh, the passing of Richard Lewis, we said that we were going to do some stand-up comedians uh, turned actor, or at least your favorite stand-up comedians who, uh, who did some acting. And I was thinking of Steve Martin. And how much, you know, how great Steve Martin is. Uh, straight movies, stand-up movies. He's also a world... I learned this from watching... A, I forget which show it was. And then Craig used to talk about it, too. That he's one of the premier... I didn't know he was that good. I knew he played the banjo a little bit. Steve Martin is one of the premier banjo players in the world. I was unaware how skilled and how good he actually is. Like He's actually one of the best banjo players alive. And, you know, one of the great actors. But looking at a list, because I was curious, I went and looked at the list of stand-up comedians turned actors. And there's a couple people on this list that you would have never have thought did stand-up comedy first. Like, the one that jumps out at me, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton did stand-up comedy in the early 80s. I I would have never have guessed that. I know he did some comedy movies. I mean, so did, you know, Tom Tom Hanks. I never thought of Tom Hanks as a stand-up com- comedian. Like, I know a lot of his early stuff, and he's done comedies. Uh, Multiplicity was one of my favorites as a kid. Well, that probably hit in the mid-'90s, whatever. We would quote Multiplicity all the time. I love that movie for whatever reason. It's probably not that good if you watch it now. But at the time, it hit the, it hit the spot for me and my friends. It was a very popular movie for us. Um... But yeah, Mr. Mom and all the different 
comedies that he did. I would have never guessed Batman did stand-up comedy, though. That's interesting. I've uh, I got to go back and watch some Michael Keaton stand-up. But I'm trying to look... Um, some other ones that I did not knew that I did not know did stand up comedy. Emma Thompson, I mean Emma Thompson, I think of as a Shakespearean actress. I know she's you know done some other stuff, um, you know uh, Nanny McPhee or whatever that was. I don't know, like she was popular with that, but I think of her as like a a Shakespearean actress doing stand up comedy. I would have never guessed that. Hmm. A lot of people start with stand up. I can sing. Maybe I can try that. Maybe I can try and do some stand-up. See if Boomer has a problem with that. 877. I'm just kidding. 877-337-6666. The Rangers get another win. Obviously, after uh, you know getting a little revenge on the Blue Jackets, after snapping the win streak, the Rangers get right back on it and take down the Blue Jackets. And really, look, we know what they need. Um, the trade deadline is going to be enormous for this team, but I, I believe now they're the first team in the NHL with forty plus with forty wins. Uh, they're playing great hockey, and namely, the main issue with the team, or the main concern I had that many of us had with the team, was Igor Shosturkin. And since coming back, despite the one little hiccup in the stadium series game at MetLife against uh, the Islanders, where he gave up five goals, he's been unbelievable. He's seven and zero in February. He, you know, since getting that break around the All Star break, where they played quick the game going into the All Star break, and then they played quick two games coming out of the All Star break. You know, since then, since returning from that little time off, he has locked in and zoned in, and he's been great. He was particularly great, in my opinion, watching him against Philadelphia. I thought he was excellent in that game. Uh, he was good against the Devils, and he was good again last night against the Blue Jackets. So. If this team can get this kind of goaltending, now again, it's early, and it's a seven-game stretch for him personally, longer for, for that for the, the team, but it's a seven-game consecutive stretch for Igor. And, you know, I, I'm not uh, – he's he's been this good before, so it's not like suddenly, well, I no more concerns about Igor. I still am a little bit concerned but right now he's playing like the goalie he was a couple years ago. He's playing like one of, if not the best goaltender in the league. And if that's who he can be for the rest of the year, yes, they need to add some depth uh, for the third and fourth line. There's gonna, you know, Drew is gonna have to go out there and you know probably add a, at least one more winger. You want to add uh, some centermen. Like they need some pieces, no doubt about it. And I'm still concerned they're reliant on power play goals. It hasn't been as much during this stretch as it was during the great stretch at the start of the year, that was very much like they were winning all those games with an unbelievable power play to start the year. They still have that, and Panarin, uh, Panarin is still unbelievably dangerous. Got two goals in this game, one being an empty netter, but you know he's played as, you know, as good as anyone in the NHL, arguably. He's going to be in the conversation for the Hart Trophy. Uh, Zabanajad in the power play, Fox running it. You know, all, they still have a very you know, Kreider in front of the net, and uh, I like guess it's, it's all still a very powerful power play, but it comes and goes. And it was very much in the forefront of all their winning to start the year. Went cold, and it led to a sub, you know, par, an average 500 type stretch leading into the All Star break. And now that they've been on this run, it's been more than just the power play. They've played a little bit better. 
you know, they've they've had a little bit of toughness uh, with the young kid coming up and getting into a fight. He's got a great black eye. He's got a tremendous black eye. If you haven't seen the pictures. So, I mean, he's still not playing in, in clutch times in the third period. I, I mean, I I think they're kind of just biding time with him until they get someone for reinforcements. I don't know. But he's brought a little bit of juice, a little bit of toughness to the team, and they're playing arguably their best hockey of the season if you if you take out the idea that they're so reliant on the power play um, as they were back then. But to me, this team will go as far as the goalie takes them. And we've been saying that for a long time between Lundqvist and now, obviously, Igor. But I never felt Lundqvist as shaky. I mean, he would go through his moments and certainly had bad games. No, He wasn't perfect by any means. But Igor has even shown the ability to be better than Hank, crazy enough. And two years ago, that's how good his season was when he won the Vesna. He That was a dominant season from him. And if he can get back to that and he can zone in and be that kind of goaltender, then yeah. Yes, with some additions, clearly, and I think Drury's a very active guy, they're going to make moves. There's no doubt about it. Will it be huge splashes? Will it be you know, something that really just dramatically changes the team? I don't know, but they're going to do something to add some depth. And right now, this team, it's, it's good enough to have the dreams, man. It's good enough to have this dream of watching this team playing in a Stanley Cup final. It's good enough to have the dream of Panarin and Fox hold and Igor hold up Lord Stanley Cup. I mean, I think it's it's they're really good. They're really good. And right now they're playing some of the best hockey they've played all year and that's saying something considering their start to the season and they are dangerous. They are dangerous and it's this is a good time to be a Ranger fan. There's no doubt about it. It feels pretty damn good. And I'm excited about the way Igor has played. I I feel pretty damn good about the way Igor has played. And if he can be like that, then watch out, man. The Rangers are there. 877-337-6666. Mike in South Boundbrook. What's up, Mike? Hey, Chris, man. Thanks for taking my call. Great show. Thank you. Yeah, so... I'll start by saying um, I I was getting into the the movie stuff that you were talking about and the comedians. So you had Sam Kinison, right? He uh, he was a great stand up, and that he did he did some movies. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't know if he was. The, I don't know if he ever really did movies. I mean, he was in a couple. He was uh, well, he was the teacher couple, in back yeah. to school and things like that. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think he did one other one, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't get me wasn't... wrong. Sam Kennison, I mean, he makes you he makes you laugh out loud. I mean, his his yeah, his, exactly. his style was so unique and in your face and and loud that it was just it was different. But I I don't know if I classify him for this. You're right. He was definitely and he's great in that scene as the teacher. I mean, he's uh, yeah yeah he was. But uh, but yeah, Rodney, you're right. He wasn't like a Rodney big, Dangerfield. A there's a, there's an answer. Rodney Dangerfield was a there you go uh, a comedian, yeah, there you go. a stand up yeah, exactly. turned actor. Now again, I don't know if I put him in that cat i don't know if i'd put him in the steve martin um uh adam no, sandler billy probably Crystal, not. uh robin williams right, right. uh echelon but i mean some of those movies i mean you know were, were classics uh back to school is a classic easy money's a classic caddyshack's a classic oh my god so yeah he, de- he definitely has his share of classic movies even Andrew dice clay got and into you know, the acting he, a little bit there you go yeah 
And with Dick Rodney, you know, people forget that movie, Natural Born Killers. Yeah. He played uh, he played the father, and that was like a weird. But he was really good in that, you know, like. He, and he, he really, I think he showed a little versatility in that. Who, who played And also, uh, Rodney Dangerfield. And oh, now Rodney, Born Killers. Right, he played. Right, 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 right. Yeah, the right, crazy, right, the crazy right. father, right. you know? Yeah. Right, right. But it was, right. it was, it was almost like a, um, a caricature of a crazy father. Like the scenes were in. Yeah, black right. And white and it was yeah, short exactly. snippets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, exactly. Weird movie, but pretty Very cool though. Movie. But another, another great Michael Keaton movie was Gung Ho. Oh, love Gung Ho. Remember Gung Ho? Uh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, he's building cars. Yeah, I remember. Uh, you could watch that today, and it would still be really good, I think. Yeah. You I know, mean, that's yeah, one yeah. of those. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Gung Ho was uh, yep. about the, you know, the American Very auto funny. industry. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was yeah, exactly. It was, it, was, it was, and trying to, you know, prop up a, a town and, and, and be, you know, that, that. Yeah, I thought it was good. I like Michael Keaton. I And I knew he did comedies, and thank yeah. you for the call, but I didn't know. I didn't know yep. that he would had done stand up like that. I mean, listen, Beatles right. is a trend. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I, I had never, no idea. I, 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 I looked it up, and then there's some clips. Like I knew, I mean, Beetlejuice is one of the great comedic performances of all time. I mean, the guy. Oh yeah, he's a brilliant actor. Yeah. I've, and I'm looking forward to making Beetlejuice too. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I just oh really? Up. There's a Beetlejuice too coming? Yeah, there's another Beetlejuice wow. coming out. Yeah. So wow, I, I, wow. I'm looking forward to it. So, I mean, yeah. I knew he's capable. And again, thank you for the call. Uh, I appreciate it. I knew he was capable of it. I never knew he was a comedian comedian. Like the same thing, like Tom Hanks starts his career making, you know, comedies. And, you know, the Burbs and Splash and uh, Bachelor Party and obviously Bosom Buddies on television. And he really doesn't break through as a dramatic actor until um, A League of Their Own and then Philadelphia. And then his life, you know, then it then he became one of the great actors of our time with Philadelphia and Forrest Gump back-to-back -back, uh, Best Actor uh, award winner at the Oscars. But really, it was, it, was a, it was like a struggling... He was making these, you know, money... The Money Pit, which again, I... I, I challenge anyone to watch the money pit, the scene where the bathtub falls through the second floor and Tom Hanks just laughs at it in like a moment of just, you know, lunacy. It's Tom Hanks is tremendous, even as a comedian. But like that would have been like I don't I wouldn't have guessed that Tom Hanks did stand up. I don't know if he did or not. I don't I don't see him on this list. But that's how I viewed Michael Keaton. Sure, he has, you know, he's made comedies and he's done some stuff, but I would have never guessed stand up. I got to go back and watch Michael Keaton stand up. But he's, I mean, as far as just, like, actual great actors who started out comedy, uh, Robin Williams and, and and Michael Keaton. I mean, Michael Keaton's a, a very good actor. Um, Beverly in East Islip. What's up, Beverly? Hi. Uh, John Candy. Of course. The great John Candy. Absolutely. Yes, um, with Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck is a, is a just a classic movie. I've, I've gotten very fond of... Um, texting and tweeting the gif of him saying no when she asked him if has anyone ever made him has anyone done something so embarrassing to him and he thinks about it for a second and he just goes no like that i, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, use yeah. i use i use that a lot when people tell me to either stop singing or stop talking about the yankees or whatever other people whatever issue people stop defending brian cashman i just go i send out the gif of uh john candy thinking about it and then going no 
Uh, but yes, no, yeah. he was he was tremendous. Uh, love all of his movies. He had a couple. I'm trying. He was he played a. That's loyal, the one I know the most, and I Uncle, like that well, one a lot. No, Uncle Uncle, yeah, no, listen, Uncle Buck, uh, The Great Outdoors, um, Only the Lonely is another great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. Um, yeah, that one was good too. Oh, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles is tremendous. Him and Steve Martin. What a, it's a great movie. Um, yeah. What's the, there's that other one where he plays like a private detective who's who's constantly changing his look and he's like a, a master of disguise kind of. I forget. Yeah. Then there's, Deli- there's Delirious where he's a writer. So, Delirious where he's a writer. He's a writer for a soap opera show and he takes a bump on the head and kind of like has this dream where he's in his own TV show and he's able to write what happens. Delirious is, is a. Uh, I have to see that one. I that, think oh, I've that's, a, seen that's, that a, one. that's a great movie too. He plays a soap opera act. Uh, he writer. has a good heart. I could tell. Yeah, he. Oh no, yes, you could. I mean, listen, and uh, unfortunately, yeah. he died too young. He's Thank you for the call. Yeah, John Candy, tremendous. Love John Candy. I'm trying to think of serious roles that John Candy did. I know he played a lawyer in in JFK. It was a little bit of a, a Southern, you know, or a Louisiana, like a Creole type uh, caricature of it. He had that. He had a Creole voice, but it was a legit. It wasn't a comic uh, performance. I don't know if he's ever done anything else that wasn't comedy. I'm trying to think if Joe, if if John Candy did anything serious. But very, I mean, his his movies are classic. I talked about it. They played um, uh, his on Thanksgiving because Trains, Planes, and Automobiles is one of the great Thanksgiving movies. They played a John Candy uh, marathon on Thanksgiving. I thought it was a brilliant idea. There's so many, so many great movies. Obviously, he's in Home Alone. There's so many great John Candy movies. Summer Rental. Uh, I, I mean, so, uh, Stripes. I mean, John Candy is tremendous. No doubt about it. I think it's called Delirious, where he plays the the soap opera actor, the soap opera writer, who takes a bump on the head and then suddenly is in his own soap opera TV show, and he can make anything he wants happen by writing it on his typewriter. And he like, you know, he he has the the main character fall in love with him, and you know, the, but then you know, you know how it goes. He fall, he realizes that he should love the woman who's been chasing him all along, and he realizes the rights of his wrong, and he's been chasing all the wrong things in life, and it's not about money and the 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 beautiful woman. It's about you know being. Oh, do I say trains, planes, and automobiles? Yeah, Fleekelman. I Yeah, like four times. <laughs> After the Play- third is when I sent the text. <laughs> ah, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yes, planes, trains, and automobiles. Let's set the over-under. When you check your Twitter <laughs> mentions during the update, how many tweets about that? Two and a half? <laughs> I would still say the under because I think people don't even realize it. But yes, planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) 877-337-6666. Two hours down, three more to go. McMonagle here with you on the fan. We opened it up to a little bit of fun. You want to tell me your favorite stand-up comedian turned actor? We got Igor and the the Rangers with a nice win. Obviously, McCole Hardman and the Jets. Baseball is always a topic on my show. We'll get to the Knicks and Brunson and... We found out what happened with their foul call in Houston. It's been official. You got it back the other night. Forget your stupid request. 